You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with uh, Al Melchior. Why did I just hesitate there? That's my own name. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, at least you know what you're listening to. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Happy Tuesday and a uh, special day here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour because uh, in the next segment, going to be joined by uh, one of my favorite guests. Been on the show a few times, uh, so you can... Listen to him here on Roto Experts uh, on uh, Fancy Sports Radio. And, of course, I'm talking about Scott, the King Angle. So looking forward to having Scott back on the show in a very short time here. But um, a lot to get to before Scott drops by. There's just a lot of injury news. I don't know if this is normal for early in spring training, but... um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of injuries to stay on top of. So I'm going to help you uh, do that and uh, get you updated on uh, the the latest uh, news. And um, in addition to all that, uh, there's uh, some around the horn positional previews. We've already done uh, catcher, first base, and most of second base. But I ran out of time on Monday show with the second base preview, so I will wind that up and then slide right into third base with the uh, third base preview. I should have time to to get that uh, all completed. And one of the things that I want to talk to Scott Engel about when he comes on the show is once we're done with the third base preview, we're we're halfway there. We're through half the positions, and for each position, I've highlighted one or two really pivotal players that I think can influence the way that you deal with the whole position based on what your opinion is on that player. And I want to get Scott's take on each of those players that I've covered up through this show. So that should be interesting. That should be fun. It's basically a reality check for me. I've been giving you my takes on these players, but um, now you'll also get Scott's uh, take as well. So uh, looking forward to that. But let's get on with the uh, injury news and just a couple of items that have uh, been been updated uh, just in the last uh, few minutes or so, or certainly within the last hour. Uh, one of them is uh, Anthony Swarzak leaving uh, the Mets game today with an apparent hand injury. So the apparent year of the hand injury just uh, seems to continue here. There's uh, no uh, word yet in terms of the severity or even the exact nature of the injury. So as always, uh, as I get more details on that, I will pass them along. And also, Matt Duffy scratched from the Rays lineup with a tight back. So uh, another injury issue for Duffy, uh, hopefully not a serious one for him coming off of a year uh, where he missed the whole season due to a heel injury. So hopefully uh, just a a minor thing there for uh, Matt Duffy. Uh, Been talking on the last few shows about Brent Honeywell, and now we have the news that he uh, did indeed, as uh, was widely expected, undergo Tommy John surgery. He did that earlier today, Tuesday. That uh, story initially coming from the Tampa Bay Times' Mark Tompkin. So again, nothing Really, that I think is going to change anything for fantasy owners. I'm sure uh, once you learned of the torn UCL, that you were banking on not being able to use Honeywell this year, not drafting him in redraft leagues, and basically just having to be patient in uh, dynasty leagues. So that's uh, the news on, on Brent Honeywell. Marcus Stroman has been shut down due to right shoulder inflammation. This was reported initially by Sportsnet.ca. He did have an MRI, did not show any structural damage. So that's the good news for Marcus Stroman. But uh, he had been throwing bullpen sessions. He will not even be doing that anymore, much less appearing in spring training games. So that's a little bit unsettling for those who own Marcus Stroman or are looking forward to owning Marcus Stroman this year. But on the other hand, could make him a, a value much like uh, Joe Musgrove, with he had his uh, shoulder problems. 
and, but he's he's back to at least throwing. Uh, Stroman, we don't have a timetable as to when he'll begin throwing again. Jacob DeGrom, good news for him. He uh, was diagnosed with the sore back earlier in the week. He threw today, reportedly felt good. And also he had tests on the back. Those came back clean. And DeGrom is uh, scheduled to throw again on Wednesday. That report coming from SNY. So uh, apparently the Mets being being careful with DeGrom, as they should be. But uh, some, some mildly good news there for Jacob DeGrom. A non-injury update before we get back to a few injury updates. All the news is an injury news. That the Angels are considering signing Greg Holland. So that would make their uh, bullpen situation uh, interesting. I'm not really uh, pursuing uh, Blake Parker much in drafts so far this year. Kind of uh, letting them slide, letting them go to, to other teams. But I like Blake Parker. I would just like to see a clear indication that he is, in fact, going to be the Angels' closer. That situation was in flux for the entirety of the 2017 season. And there are really no indications that Mike Sosha is going to handle that any differently this year. And then if they add Greg Holland, that's going to, at least to my thinking, that's going to make Blake Parker an even riskier pick. Although I do certainly trust Blake Parker more than Greg Holland at this point. If he were to give be given a crack, I think that Parker would hold on to the job. If, if, if Holland, for some reason, again, I'm thinking way ahead of myself here because Holland hasn't been signed yet, but if the Angels did go out and sign Greg Holland, I wouldn't necessarily trust him to keep the job. So he had a, a bit of, uh, I was going to say, a rocky season with Colorado, but that's just too easy and too obvious. But you get the idea. Let's go back to some injury news. Felix Hernandez, he uh, left yesterday's game against the Cubs early. He was hit by a comebacker off the bat of Victor Caratini. Turns out it is a bruised forearm, so no breakage. Uh, that's It's a relatively good uh, diagnosis there for Felix Hernandez. But according to uh, Mariners manager Scott Service, Hernandez is going to be out for a little while. So no timetable there for Hernandez, but probably the best outcome that we could expect at this point. Heimer Candelario, he got into that uh, sort of bizarre collision with Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman, as uh, I discussed on yesterday's show, is just fine, just has a cut uh, above his eye, but he's okay. Turns out Candelario's okay, too, so... What initially looked like sort of a scary situation for both players turns out to be not really an impact for either one. Candelario has been diagnosed with a bruised left knee. He, in fact, he was well, well enough that he could play today, uh, but he is not expected to, according to MLB.com. Again, spring training, no reason to push things, but it looks like Candelario is going to be just fine. On the other hand, Yuli Gurriel, not really encouraging news for him. Initially, the reports were that he sustained uh, some sort of wrist injury that didn't appear to be all that serious. Now he's being sent back to Houston to get his left hand examined. And according to MLB.com, this is a more serious injury than was initially thought. So that's uh, not not uh, very encouraging, to say the least, for Yuli Gurriel, but that's all we've got at this point. However, according to a report from the Houston Chronicle, A.J. Hinch has already talked to A.J. Reed about the possibility of Reed replacing Gurriel if he does need to be out for some time. And apparently that was a conversation that needed to be had after Reed did not get a September call up last year, apparently was was somewhat discouraged. Uh, he has come to uh, has come to training camp or to spring training, I should say, uh, considerably leaner than he was last season. He's lost 25 pounds. He's apparently cut out soda and alcohol. So there's maybe not the best shape of his life, but uh, certainly a fitness related story there for A.J. Reed and potentially a, a playing time related story for him as well. But we need to, of course, keep tabs on Yuli Gurriel's progress before I think we need to count on A.J. Reed making any sort of impact this year. He is the sort of player, I will say, though, that he's he's got the skill set that is crowded a roster as the Astros have. I've seen other reports that he's going to get more of a shot of playing time this year. Hard to see how that happens, but maybe somewhere in that DH mix, maybe as a Gurriel replacement um, maybe if Gurriel is healthy but just struggles, A.J. Reed gets uh, a little bit more of a chance this year. So he's an interesting uh, deep league, late-round flyer uh, type of player right now. 
Sticking with first base, Dominic Smith, been a, a bad week for him. He had been benched for one game uh, because of showing up late. And now he could be out for quite a while due to a right quad strain. He did tell MLB.com that he's feeling better, but does not have any sense of his timetable. So that's just going to be a situation where the condition of his quad really you know, dictates the speed of his progress. So not that Smith was being counted on to be uh, a major part of the Mets lineup to start the season. I mean, technically he and Adrian Gonzalez are, are part of a competition for first base, but Gonzalez is the, is the front runner. This uh, injury certainly does not help Dominic Smith's chances at all. So if you were maybe hoping that Smith would be sort of a uh, Cinderella come from behind story at the spring where he overtakes uh, Gonzalez, not looking good or especially likely right now. Also out of Mets cap, uh, Yohannes Cespedes is day-to-day with shoulder soreness, but that is not expected to be a serious issue for Cespedes. Jake Berger, this is unfortunate, uh, a top prospect uh, for the White Sox. He's going to miss the entire 2018 season due to a torn Achilles or a, a ruptured Achilles. So that's a, a, obviously a very, very bad break for Jake Berger and for the dynasty league owners uh, that have him or were Hoping to have him, but uh, looks like 2018 is going to be a lost year uh, for Jake Berger. That's that's a rough, rough uh, break for him. Uh, Mike Napoli has signed a minor league deal with the Indians. So, or I, I don't think that's official yet, but there's an agreement for Napoli to sign a minor league deal with the Indians. Would seem that the most likely path for him to some playing time is to be a in a platoon situation with Yonder Alonso, and it really makes some sense because Napoli's got a history of being a lefty masher. Alonso, not terrible against lefties, but certainly inferior in his lefty splits, split against left-handed pitchers. So it would certainly make some sense. Do- doesn't do great things for Yonder Alonso's fantasy value, and I was sort of bemoaning the fact, I think it was on yesterday's show, that Alonso doesn't seem to be getting much benefit of the doubt from fantasy owners and early drafts based on ADP. Maybe a lot of owners saw this coming. I, for one, did not. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Napoli, a pretty off-season last year, even against lefties, was not tremendous. So I would not be downgrading Alonzo just as yet as uh, somebody who's going to be uh, the better part of a, a first-base platoon. But it's definitely a situation that we all should be watching, at least all of us who are in leagues that have a first base slot, which is which is all of us. Uh, Tyler Glasnow, 100 miles per hour in Sunday's game. Didn't get to this on yesterday's show, but uh, settling in in the upper 90s, touching triple digits. And he also did that uh, late in the year with the Pirates last year in some appearances in September. So he is certainly drawing some interest. Uh, I certainly wanted to make sure to mention this on this show because I'm currently taking part in a score sheet draft. In fact, Nigel DeFino and I discussed this on a show last week. This is the uh, Baseball Prospectus Kings League, and uh, I want to see if I can find it here. But here it is. Yeah, Tyler Glass now. We're now in the, the 12th round of this Keeper League. Uh, where you can keep up to 10 players. So really, the drafting is just kind of getting underway with a lot of teams, including myself, keeping the full 10 players. And so the basically the second round with everybody drafting, Tyler Glasnow was the first player taking. Now, it's a, it's a 24-team league, just to put that in perspective. But, uh, you know, still going ahead of Mike Leak, Lance Lynn, uh, Miles Mikolas, Looking to see Michael Fultonevich went later in this round, Tyler Skaggs, and Devon Nova. So Glass now going ahead of all of those pitchers in the score sheet league. So uh, some owners getting excited by the velocity, by the potential. Glass now still not necessarily destined to begin the year in the rotation. He could, could start in the bullpen, but uh, ultimately there's a good chance I would think that he winds up starting for the Pirates. So a uh, nice uh, speculative pick there. An intriguing beginning to the spring uh, for uh, Tyler Glass now. 
Uh, all right. Well, let me just take a break from the news here for a moment. Tell you about uh, Fantrax.com if you haven't checked it all out already. If you uh, do uh, start a league on Fantrax or join an existing league, you can create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Uh, all you got to do uh, just to, to sign up for Fantrax, uh, you go there and find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, and player salary and contract options all at your fingertips. And all of these are fully customizable. Fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute your payouts without a third party. So therefore, you don't have to go and track down other owners for payment. That's a nice, nice feature there. And the best part of all, though, is that there's no break in the action because once the regular season ends, Fantrax leagues are immediately open for the very next season. So go to Fantrax, find out why they are the home of fantasy sports, and check out Fantrax.com today. And when you do, and when you go and sign up for a league, don't forget the promo code. I've been talking about this for weeks on this show. Don't forget it. The promo code is easy, it's short, and it's my name. It's Al. A-L. Put the promo code Al in at the little box at the bottom of the registration form at sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with me. Uh, those are a $109 value on almelkier.com. You sign up for a Fantrax League under the promo code Al. You could win that whole package of 10 consultations for nothing, for free. Zip. Zero. Anyways, go check that out. And one final piece of news before we head into break here. Uh, Andrew Bailey has retired. He's going to uh, stay with the Angels as part of the front office. Uh, I believe something with uh, video coordination. But uh, his uh, playing time is over. Uh, a nice career, but one that uh, was uh, partly uh, defined by, by injuries for Andrew Bailey. So uh, anyhow, that is the last bit of news that I have. We're going to head to break. When I come back, Scott Engel's going to be here, and it's going to be awesome. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. Come back for the goodness that is Scott Engel. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And joining me for this very segment, very excited excited to have him back. Uh, one of my uh, cohorts and colleagues here at Fantasy Sports Radio, uh, also the managing director of Roto Experts, Mr. Scott Engel, the king. Scott, welcome back to the show. Al, how are you, brother? Good to be on with you. I am good. Thank you very much. And... Uh, by the way, congratulations on bringing home an FSWA award for best fantasy baseball series. How cool is that? That's very cool. It's uh, it's my fourth FSWA award and my first just for purely baseball. So I'm very proud of it. It's for my fantasy baseball insider series in the exclusive edge fantasy baseball package on rotoexperts.com, which is available now. I'll have my first one up next week where I talk to uh, anonymous sources around Major League Baseball and get their unfiltered takes on players and give my fantasy spins on what they say. Wow, well, you just uh, preempted my next question. <laughs> doing, doing my work for me, Scott, because I was going to ask you what people can look forward to uh, on uh, Roto Experts. So oh, that well, is... you know, there's a lot else there, though. Uh, 
you know, we have about 50 articles now, and we just launched, and uh, we have a new cheat sheet generator that's improved, and we got a brand new Slack channel that's open all day, so you can always uh, chat with our fantasy experts who are always around and other users. Yeah, I think that's a super cool feature. So I'm glad that you you mentioned that as well. But the, the whole thing sounds great. So do go go check out uh, rotoexperts.com. And um, uh, a little bit later on, I want to bring in uh, our producer here, Mike Florio, because he is the author of one of those pieces you just referred to on Shohei Otani, who uh, I think just struck out against John Gray, but I'll have to double check on that. Anyhow, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to talk about Tout Wars because that's coming up in just a little over two weeks. I can't believe it. And uh, I also talked about earlier in the show that I want to get your take on a handful of players that I'm calling pivotal players. And I'll, I'll you know, preface that in a little while. But let's talk about Tout Wars. So before we look ahead to, to this season, uh, how did you feel about last season? Were there any takeaways uh, in terms of things that you, were, uh, you felt went well or things that you, you want to try to avoid? Yeah, I want to draft the trainer because I finished 10th last year after, uh, you know, being in the top five early and just had a lot of injuries. Uh, I really didn't go after any big superstar players. It's like my highest priced player was Anthony Rizzo. And, you know, maybe I made a mistake there because I felt like I worked the waiver wire pretty well, but I really didn't have any superstars to build around. But injuries really hurt me. Uh, Trevor Story, uh getting hurt hurt me and uh starling Marte suspension really hurt me yeah yeah well that's that's the story of the starling Marte owner last year yeah uh, I, I talk on this show about the uh dynasty league that scott white is commissioner of and i Marte was the centerpiece of that team for me and it kind of kind of sank me right away so i i understand that sometimes you just can't uh you know there's not much you can do about things like yeah. that um well let's get to these uh what I'm calling the pivotal players. And to those who haven't been listening the last few episodes, uh, let me just explain what I'm talking about here. So I've been going around the horn doing position previews. I'm going to get to third base today. Uh, And so part of what I've been doing for each position is talking about a a player who's typically sort of a, a polarizing player, but also kind of at the cusp of the upper tiers, like maybe the first two or three tiers, and then the big chasm after that, the big drop-off. And so the degree of faith that you put in that player at that pivot point between two tiers that are, are pretty far apart, um, that, you know, that can really make some difference in terms of how aggressive you are. So I'd like to start with catcher. And the player that I think is most pivotal there is Evan Gaddis. And I was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty much hammered home, Scott, the, the notion that I – I don't understand Gaddis's ADP. He seems to be getting drafted not too far after the second tier of Real Muto and Perez. And I, I'm just, I'm not really seeing it. Um, so to me, you know, if you, if you buy into Gaddis, you don't mind not being aggressive on the first two tiers. But if you're skeptical like me, you have a little more incentive to maybe get Gary Sanchez or Posey or Contreras or, or whoever. Um, where, where do you fall on this? How, how do you feel about Gaddis coming up this year? Boy, catcher is just so thin. If you don't get one of those top two or three, it's, you know, especially if you're in a snake draft, it's like I'm just very inclined to wait if I don't get one of those guys like Real Muto or somebody like that or Wilson Contreras. With Gaddis, you know, there's some skepticism because of the injuries, because of uh, the increase in power lat, uh, average last year. And the low and you know, the dips in power, the home run to fly ball rate was down last year. The ISO was down last year. So I think there's some skepticism on on Gaddis. But look, he did play 46 games at catcher, and he's going to play DH. So the at bats are going to be there, and that's what you always look for in a catcher. So you know, to me, he's he's certainly like top eight or so. Would I put him? Would I take him over Wilson Contreras? No, probably not. Uh, you know, if you think he's when because when you get down to the fifth catcher, you're going Gaddis or Lacroix, and they're all question marks. It's but yeah. sometimes I just want to wait till later and say, you know what, I'll take my crack on Austin Hedges. How much different is it going to be than Ed or, than Evan Gaddis if the kid improves his batting average? 
Yeah, well, and um, I actually addressed this. I wrote a, a piece on, on bus for Fantrax, and I said basically I, I, I kind of get the people who are chasing the upside of a Gaddis because there's a lot of catchers you can rely on for power but not batting average. But the difference is that Gaddis, if he does get that playing time you're talking about and he does rebound at least somewhat from last year, he should be a cinch for 25 homers, whereas uh, Austin Hedges, Wellington Castillo, you know, those folks – May, you know, the upside might just be 20, um, you know, but I, I worry I about that I just hit, hit, hit 18 last year, and uh, I could see him going up a good six or seven. Well, that, you know, that's absolutely fair, but it's still you're speculating on that as opposed to talking about Gattis. Especially knowing it, yeah, that, that's true. But you, you're going to get him so much later, though. That's the thing. You're talking about 18 homers and just 387 at-bats. You know, if he what, what if he gets like another hundred or so? You know, I can easily match see him matching Gaddis. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, again, this is why it's a controversy and why he's a bit polarizing because you can see both sides of it. I just I worry that if uh, Derek Fisher really does get four hundred plus abs, if if AJ Reed gets you know more of a crack this year, is Gaddis going to get enough time at DH? But those those are questions we can't really answer right now so uh let's go on to matt olson who has his own uncertainty there's the uncertainty of how close can he come to that crazy home run pace that he had last year uh can he hit well enough against lefties to stay in the lineup regularly um and yet there's the immense upside i've got him ranked alongside miguel cabrera will myers and eric hosmer in my third tier of first baseman uh am i being too optimistic more optimistic than me I'll put it that way. <laughs> Very it's not that I don't like the kid, but you know, I think you got to look more at the minor league track record than the uh, than the wild second half last year. And you know, it does point to some power, but I don't really think he's proven enough. You know, to put him in a league with guys like you know, look at what Miggy can provide if he bounces back. I know you're going to see some regression from Hosmer, but I think he's going to give you a better batting average than he did than he did last year. I don't know if he can compete with those guys in terms of batting average, and I don't I don't think the power is going to be wild as it was the second half. You know, I think you look at more of his minor league track record to get a bean on what you really should expect projection wise. And that's that's absolutely fair. The the one thing I will say is uh, I mentioned this on yesterday's show that there's a, a draft I'm in right now, a fan tracks uh, best score draft. Uh, and, and I, you know, wanted a little bit more power. And so yeah, I took the risk that, uh, you know, Olsen's going to come through with that. But, you know, in terms of total package, uh, you, you pretty much know what you're getting with those other three for sure. Uh, all right. Moving yeah, on. I'd to like second... to see him do it I'm again sorry. before before I uh, before I boost him. But to me, when I do my rankings, guys always have to earn their spot rather than just put their spot there because of what potentially they could do. That's the way I do my rankings. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's good, good advice for others who are, you know, doing the rankings or trying to project players. Yeah. Take uh, rankings, almost... man. You got to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, you know, got a lot of people saying, Oh, we can't uh, trust, uh, you know, Whit Millerfield or, or Elvis Andrews because of one season. So I think you gotta gotta be as consistent as you can be with that. Well, Maryfield has it been a season and a half now, or where where Andrews is just like, where did that come from? Yeah, well, and I, I'm not one of the more skeptical people on on Andrews, so I I agree with you. I think it's been more than one year, but he's he's the person that seems to come up over and over again. No, with that argument speed has made. been one year, but what about the power? Yeah, no, it's it's been, it's that's been gradually outlier, building. It looks like. Which is the outlier? The Elvis Andrews' power. Oh, I, I think it's 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 been building gradually. If you look at hard contact rate, but it just it just showed up last year. Yeah, so. I mean, if you if you look at this, I guess if you're just looking at the pure numbers from last year, eight to twenty is a big jump. I mean, gradually he went from seven to eight, so he should have been nine last year, not twenty. Well, I see, I, and I disagree. Because I think that, you know, if you look at the underlying numbers, right. he, uh, you know, actually probably should have had better power numbers before last year. But, you know, I want to I want to um, actually take the same argument, Scott, and apply it to a different player. 
Because I look at Robinson Cano, and you look, and I, I, so this is a repeat of yesterday, but I want to get your take on it. Uh, you look at Robinson Cano's stats, and, you, and it seems very obvious 2016 is the outlier. But if you look again at those underlying numbers in terms of exit velocity, average fly ball distance, hard contact rate, it, 2017 or 2016, I'm sorry, does not look like the outlier. 2017 looks like Cano ran into maybe some bad luck. I, th- I think he's a sneaky value. Well, I think people will throw a lot in the fact that, you know, his age in there, that's one factor they'll throw in there. And, you know, he's still good for 280 and 25 homers. Uh, on base percentage, he's right around that that low water mark from last year. I think people are concerned that, you know, that Cano's getting up there and, you know, where's it to go but, but down rather than up. Right. That's the thing. But, you know, with Cano, with um, Adrian Beltre, Nelson Cruz, it just seems like that that decline is, you know, around the corner. I don't, I don't know if he's going to decline. I think he's going to stay about the same. But to go back to 39 homers from 23, I think, you know, like you Seinfeld fans say, it's like that's a big matzo ball we're throwing out there. <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent reference, Scott. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, but I think he could get in, in maybe the low 30s or around 30. And to I could me, see him hitting 28, 29 again. It's not ridiculous. Okay. So, yeah. all right. Given that, would you rather have him or Jonathan Scope? <sighs> Man, Scope really came on last year. He did. And gave you a really nice batting average. A year after everybody was complaining that you know the the first half and the second half wasn't consistent, you know I really liked Scope going into last year too. Uh, yeah, the guy the guy hit last year two ninety three with thirty two homers. I think I'd like Scope more because I feel like I'm already there with the thirty homers, whereas I have to hope that Robinson Cano gets back to that level. Well, you're you're with the majority on that one. Yeah. So I, I seem to be a little bit on, on Robbie Cano Island here. But uh, let me just... I like Robbie. He's okay. Yeah, no, but it's, it's a relative thing. And, and again, it's very lumpy, that, that second tier, or what I call the little four of Murphy, Cano, Scope, and Merrifield. You know, it's there's not a lot that separates them. So if you got a better feel for Scope repeating, then, you know, I can understand, you know, preferring Scope. But I want to ask you two more second base questions here, Scott, since we're on, yeah. I kind of slid us into the position here. Um, Daniel Murphy is uh, the one guy out of that, that quartet, the little four that uh, we haven't really talked about yet. And uh, to me, he's, he's the clear, or at least as clear as there is in, in a bunched up group, the, the clear uh, superior play there. And yet he's not being drafted that way. He's being drafted behind scope on average. Uh, so where, where do you fall? Uh, would you rather have scope since you prefer scope to Cano? Do you also prefer scope to Daniel Murphy, not when healthy. You talk about a guy who's going to hit well over three hundred and probably get close to the thirty home runs. You know, Daniel Murphy is his value is just dropping just because of his health, and people, uh, you know, are concerned about the knee, etc. You know, that's that's all that it is. Uh, you're probably not going to get thirty home runs from Murphy, but you know, the amount of runs scored that you'll get, you know, is pretty darn high. You know, you're almost guaranteed a high batting average, like 320 plus. And I think too many people forget about batting average when they're drafting. I'd probably rather have uh, Murphy than Cano. Then it comes to splitting hairs with scope because how many more home runs do I need? There's probably a six to seven home run difference there. It's a fair Mm -hmm. trade-off. I think it depends on where you are in your draft and your auction. And if you keep in track of categories – it's what you need. Do you want a higher batting average? Do you want five, six more homers? It's, it's you know. If you ask me to rank one or two, one of ahead of the two. I'll probably rank Murphy uh, slightly ahead of Scope because I feel he's got the longer track record. But to me, I'm probably gonna have them right next to each other because it depends on what you need at that point in the draft. Well, fair, fair enough. Uh... Well, you know, we're we're running out of time in this segment, Scott. I wanted to talk a little bit. Yeah, I heard the air horn. Yeah, I was like, what is yeah, second base and third base uh, uh, with you. Can, can you stick around for the next one? Or uh... of course, of course. Oh, you're the man, Scott. Only All right, for you. well, Port Parson <laughs> asked me, no way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've been elevated above the fancy exec. A lot of people are on my list. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's the best. Just kidding. Yeah. He, and you, he and you are the best. And Nando DeFino. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll complete that list of who's the best uh, during this break. We'll come back, talk more second base, third base. We're going to get Mike Flory on here. Hey, every- have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. I am being joined for a second bonus segment with uh, Scott Engel, which is great news for all of us. I uh, hope we can get uh, Mike Florio, by the way, who is also the best, get him uh, in on this segment. But before we get to all that goodness, I uh, just want to let you know that we've got NFL coverage for you all year long right here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Catch the three-hour 2018 NFL Combine Special hosted by Mike Blewett, with College Football Today host Joe Lisi and Rich Carminello, providing way too much information on the Combine participants, and Corey Parson providing fantasy analysis. It takes place this Wednesday, February 28th, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, on Fantasy Sports Network YouTube channel. Rebroadcasts of the telecast will air on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network until the Combine's conclusion on Sunday. And we don't stop there. So listen to the Fantasy Football Frenzy with Corey Parson and Tony Sakata every Thursday and Friday during Friday night, excuse me, during the off season at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, and on Sunday at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's MLB season on the field, but it's always NFL season here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All right, Scott, uh, we were talking second base. And uh, talking about the, the guys I call the little four. Just beyond that, maybe a little bit more beyond that in terms of ADP is Rugnet Odor. Do you think uh, he's getting underdrafted so far, uh, given his age and the upside that we've seen from him? Does he deserve uh, you know the same benefit of the doubt that we're giving to Whit Merrifield, for example? That batting average is just so low last year. But, you know, you look, you look at, you know, all the underlying numbers that you talk about. You know, last year, like the 224 bad BIP, I think it was like second lowest among qualified players. But, you know, what if you straighten out the bad BIP, you know, what kind of batting average are you really going to get? It's, it's to, you know, probably like 240, 250, something like that. I heard, I heard of one fantasy expert call him Jay Bruce with speed. And I think that was, uh, you know, that that doesn't make him Jay Bruce if he has speed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, but you, you're talking about the well power. Taken. Yeah, the point. You're talking about the uh, the power, the the combination of power and speed is very intriguing. The guy's still at a young age. It's it's a very rare combination, so I'm I'm willing to take the shot as long as you build the rest of the team around it to where you can take the hit a batting average. He's not going to hit two hundred four again. No, I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to be you know two seventy either. So I I totally agree with you that I think the two forties is a realistic projection for Odor. Um, you know, I personally don't really see him as a part of that group. I just think it's curious because uh, Whit Merrifield's getting a lot of ADP love, and he's basically done what he's done once. And again, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a skeptic, but I'm saying we've already seen better things from Rubenet Odor. He's you know certainly young enough to get back to at least close to that level, and he's being drafted for the most part pretty far behind the Merrifield and company there. So well, you, you know. look at second base. You're going to take Altuve, Gordon, Jose Ramirez, Murphy, Dozier, Scope. Probably all ahead of him. Then you get into Merrifield and Cano in that range. You know, I'm okay with having them somewhere in that top nine. You know, DJ LeMahieu, you're not going to get any power. You know, what's going to be the trade-off? You'll get an average. 
but you won't get any power and you won't have any speed. I'd rather have Odor than LeMahieu. And now, how big am I on Chris Taylor? At that point, where like the top seven second basemen are off six or seven second basemen are off the board, I want a piece of Odor. Yeah, well, and, and you know that's that's really the point that I wanted to drive at, Scott. That I'm not arguing that Odor should be drafted at the same point or ahead of Merrifield or, or, or Scope or anybody in that group that you, you just mentioned. But in terms of getting to this, this idea of a pivotal player and that you're in that second tier and you're thinking, well, gosh, if, if Merrifield doesn't fall to me, I'm just waiting forever on second base. I think Odor is close enough to that group that you don't have to be super aggressive to, to get somebody like Scope or Merrifield. That's, that's I, mean, I, like, I like getting 2020 type guys. And well, if yeah. I get an Andrew Benatendi early on to like balance that with an Odor when I'm talking about my categories, it's it's like I like balancing it like that. Yeah, well, you hold, you know, he could get you there, but like you said, you're just going to take the hit in batting average. Um, now at, at third base, the guy that I consider to be pivotal is somebody who's being drafted really early, and that's Alex Bregman. He's essentially being drafted as if he's at the back of the first tier, right behind Josh Donaldson. So that basically means people are projecting huge improvement for Bregman. And it's it's obvious why you might do that. But is is that assuming too much or is he is, who who do you think he's closer to? Josh Donaldson or Anthony Rendon? Probably Anthony Rendon. Uh you know, because right then okay, you get to a point where Rendon might hit for the higher batting average, but I think I might want Bregman because he gives me the speed that that Rendon just doesn't. And both of these guys could hit 290 and hit about the same amount of home runs, but the difference is speed. You know, what if I what if I have Ben Attendee, Bregman, and and uh, Odor all on the same roster? I'm happy. I'm get, I'm looking at three possible 2020 guys, and two of them should hit for average. Yeah, so then I can take the hit on Odor. You know, we're helping people build their teams right as we do this. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's why that's why we're here. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to get back to second and third base, and since I, I've got you here for this segment, uh, I need to wrap up the second base preview. I need to at least get the third base preview started. But in between, since uh, we've got you here, we've got uh, Mike Florio here producing the show, uh, and Mike wrote a piece for uh, Roto Experts. Uh, it's, it's about a month old now, I think, but uh, you know, still very much worth worth no, reading. And only and, actually, and it's a, it's about uh, about. Two weeks old, and we're constantly updating all the preseason oh, content. Well, yeah. My bad. I'm, I'm yeah. do not mean That's okay. to uh, misrepresent. So all the more reason, though, why you know folks should check it out. But um, Otani, uh, a, a good debut as a hitter, couple of walks, an RBI single, uh, sort of a mixed debut as a as a pitcher. Uh, so uh, Mike wrote, wrote this piece for Roto Experts. Um, Mike, can you you tell us uh, you know what basically what the take was? that you had on Otani's value? Yeah, my take is you should not overrate him just because he has pitcher and hitter eligibility if you are in a weekly league because he's realistically going to probably bat about three games a week, whereas that to me, not only does he have to be great to make up for you using him in your utility over a guy who's going to get everyday plate appearances, but you're also going to lose what you can get from him as a starting pitcher. So I think the only real league where he gets a, a boost from having that dual eligibility is in daily lineup leagues where you could put him in your starting pitcher spot on days he pitches, and then those other three games you could use him as your utility or if he was to gain a position eligibility. That's where I think his real value is held. In a weekly lineup league, don't over overdraft him. All right, so um, would you give different advice then in terms of ranking him? So if, if you have daily lineups, uh, does he crack the top 30 among starting pitchers? And does that change if, if you're in a weekly lineup league? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think right now he's like, based on projections and, and such, I think he can be a borderline top 30 starting pitcher already. But I think if you're in a daily lineup league where you get that, plus you get the points or, or the categories from what he can do as a hitter, I know it's only one game, but he looked to hold his own uh, yesterday. So in that kind of format, I think he can go realistically in like the third round, give or take. But in, you know, wow. in a league where you just get only 
pitching or hitting categories or weekly lineup league, I would take him just mainly as a pitcher because I don't think he's going to be doing enough damage as a hitter where it's really going to you're going to ever use him over another uh, every guy who gets everyday playing time as your utility. All right. By the way, by the way, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, I don't want to like uh, how should I say overlord your show, but I have some breaking news. According to John John Heyman of FanRag, Tim Lincecum will go to the Texas Rangers. Wow, and I, I'm assuming that's in a relief role, or is there uh, anything in the report to that regard? Nope, just source. Lincecum will go to Texas. Not, Man, Rangers signing uh, pitchers left and right. Not to further jump on you guys, uh, I did see some <laughs> speculation uh, from Jeff Passan, I believe is how you pronounce his name, that he could yeah. be in the mix to close for the Rangers. Interesting. Yeah, he was well, throwing in the 90s so in the workouts. And, you know, Claudio's like the guy, like you say there. But I don't know how much they trust Claudio. He just fell into the role last year. It's not like he has a lock-stop grip, you know, on the on this job here. But the yeah, fifth starter say- right now is Mike Miner, so I don't know what to speculate here. Well, the the I would think more it'd be more likely that Lincecum would emerge as a closer than the starter, based on everything that I've seen. And yeah, just you got Matt based- Bush there too. Yep, as a and, possible and, you know, starter. Yeah, you've got a whole bunch of veterans in the mix: um, Bartolo Colon, John Neese. Um, Jesse Chavez recently signing. So, yeah, they're plenty deep for potential fourth, fifth starters. But uh, the bullpen situation is interesting. I really like Alex Claudio. I feel like he gets a little bit maligned in terms of ADP because of the lack of strikeouts, but he's just so effective. Yeah. But if he doesn't get saves, <laughs> that's there's no value there, really. So uh, that is a really interesting development. So thank you both for uh, for adding that to the show. Um well, Scott, let me uh, get back to you on, on Otani here. Um, do you think there's as much of a gap based on lineup rules uh, as uh, as Mike is uh, uh, purporting here? I think it depends on your league setup because if you're drafting him as one player, yeah, but if there's a separate Otani as a hitter and as a pitcher, as a lot of leagues are doing, then it becomes you know a different animal where it doesn't – matter to me whether it's weekly or or whatever i just don't want to overrate him based on what he did in japan you know it's it's right. a lot of mental and physical strain to be playing two ways number one because nobody else does it uh and you, you just never know for sure how things are going to translate now physically it's it's easier but how are things going to tra- translate mentally for this guy I don't know. It's like I'm always the guy who's like going to throw him out at the auction table and let somebody else deal with it. I don't like going for unproven commodities in my drafts. Yeah, and I, I kind of see that trend <laughs> in, in our discussion of some of these pivotal players. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it, uh, you know, again, I think in, in most formats, that's, you know, that's a good way to go. Um, Mike, how about you? Uh, you prefer – well, actually, I'm sorry. I didn't even ask you first, uh, Scott. What do you prefer, uh, one Otani or two? I'm going to say two because I think he's different as a hitter than he is as a pitcher. I think you get into all these kind of wacky, uh, how should I say, you get into all these kind of wacky situations if you make it just one. It's like how many how many guys do you even draft? It's, you know, you're getting an advantage if you're playing with one Otani because you draft 29 players, but somehow you got 29 and a half. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh Mike, what do you think? Uh, one, or, one or two, which would you rather have? I'd rather have one because he's one player in real life. I know it, it's something we've never seen before, but making two just, I don't know. I, I don't really like it. Well, then we've got to change everything else, Mike. He's a, he's a unique change, situation. Drew Cabrera doesn't play middle infield in real life. We don't have two catchers in real life. But but shouldn't his uniqueness be factored into the fantasy game? That's my whole thing. Like he- it is, you split him. <laughs> I'm a one Otani guy. I you know I want to use the whole player's stats. Um, I, I you know like Mike. I like the realism. Scott, I get your point. We we you know avoid the realism in all sorts of ways in fantasy. Uh, but I, I just want to you know. It, I don't disagree. Just, yeah. Sorry, I don't I don't disagree with Mike necessarily that. You know that there should be one, but for the reason to make it more like realistic is probably the reasoning behind it. I don't agree with. 
All right. Well, we're, we're definitely not going to get to third base preview today. We might be able to get in a few bits about second base. Uh, but before we do that, you all should know that every three minutes, an American is diagnosed with blood cancer. Unfortunately, only 30% of patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor within their family. But that's how you can help. Go to dkms.org slash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS will send you a swab kit, which takes legitimately just one minute to do. You swab each of your cheeks and send it back to them, and that is it. You're done. DKMS will then try and match you up with a person in need of of a donation. The process is easy best of all. You can actually save somebody's life. Not metaphorically, but quite literally, you can save somebody's life. So go and check out DKMS.org slash FNTSY to see how you can help today. All right, so we got like a minute left here. <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, deep sleepers. Uh, Scott, sounds like you and I sort of agree that Chris Taylor's not really trustworthy uh, at the second base position. He's being maybe a little bit overdrafted. But in terms of guys who are bargains, I'll throw out three names. Jose Perella, who's not yet eligible but could gain eligibility at second base. Brad Miller, Brandon Drury. So let me just go to each of you. Um, Scott, of those three, who would you feel best uh, about as a late-round pick? I would probably go with Drury. I think the opportunity to play consistently in Yankee Stadium is going to boost his offense. But, you know, give me some Ozzy Albers action. Well, yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. You're going to have to go yeah. a little bit earlier, probably a lot bit earlier <laughs> to get him. Yeah. If you miss yeah. out, though, these are our three possi- possibilities I like. And I like Drury very much at Yankee Stadium especially. And, uh, Mike, how about you? Brandon Drury, Jose Perella, who is not yet second base eligible, and Brad Miller. I would also go Brandon Drury just playing at Yankee Stadium with that lineup around him. All right. Well, we've made it simple and easy for you. A a round of Drury's to go. Uh, Scott Engel, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us. Glad to be on with you. Well, uh, we'll we'll make it happen again as long as you're around and available. Uh, uh, Appreciate the insight and. the analysis and uh, appreciate you taking the time and, and Mike Florio likewise uh, double duty uh, producing the show and uh, doing some analysis for us so uh, alright folks well uh, that wraps it up for today be back tomorrow have a great one <laughs>